When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back. This is episode one, four, six. No. No. You hear that? Tailwind doesn't suck. I'm Matt. That's Mike. And this week we'll be talking about the Tailwind controversy. Now, I haven't been following this at all. I did a little bit of Tailwind stuff. I wrote an article about how to set it up and I've uh, played with it, but I haven't really used it too much. Mike is uh, Mike was telling me today about this controversy, so I thought it'd be an interesting or he thought it'd be an interesting episode uh, to talk about. And obviously he's taking a stance here. No, Tailwind doesn't suck. So, uh, I mean, I'll be learning and asking questions and stuff like this. Now, this sounds interesting to you because it should. And you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And now, Mike, Tailwind CSS. Supposed to be there for convenience, for more readable markup, I think I've I've heard. Uh, which, well, it does do that. I don't know if that's an advertising feature, but uh, some people got problems with it, it seems. So, Mike, please, sir, let me know what this uh, what this controversy is all about. Yeah, I don't know how, like, serious the controversy is, but I have seen, like, a few people attacked for Tailwind, which was really weird. And this was a few weeks ago now, so it might not be, like, the most, the latest controversy or whatever. But a few weeks ago, I saw someone post um, that they were kind of, like, almost gatekeeping people that were using Tailwind and saying that it wasn't the right move and it wasn't the right move for their careers and stuff like that. Like, they, they were pretty harsh on the Tailwind community. Uh, which I thought was pretty crazy. And then what happened was like the Tailwind community came to that post and attacked the person. And then the person got upset because uh, people were attacking them based on the stance that they made. I don't know. It was it was a really weird situation. But from that came the idea in my head that like, hey, I use Tailwind. Why don't we talk about it on the show? And I'll give my two cents on why I kind of use it and what I think about some of the counterpoints as well. So initially here, I just want to, talk about what Tailwind is, because I know we have some listeners that definitely have never heard of Tailwind or maybe have never used it. So Tailwind is a CSS utility class-based framework. Uh, What it essentially does is it creates a bunch of classes, so like a regular CSS class, if that makes sense to you, uh, that have CSS properties associated with them. And it's very direct. So for instance, um, like display flex in the CSS world would be just flex in uh, flex as a class name in Tailwind. So they're very readable in terms of like, if you know CSS, you'll probably be able to figure out Tailwind utility classes really quickly, which is a little bit different than something like Bootstrap because Bootstrap uses its own kind of uh, container classes and its own inference, like it infers the meaning of a class to you to like f- for them. So it, it essentially assumes that like a container is always this uh, columns are this and stuff like that. It essentially gives you a bunch of utility classes that aren't directly related to their CSS counterparts. Whereas tailwind is literally, and, and I think Matt explained it to me best a while ago. It's like writing CSS in line uh, through a, a, like through a bootstrap type framework. 
So that what I that I think clicked to me more than anything else. So I'm gonna that's why I'm saying it to you. It's essentially writing easier and easier to read CSS in line. That's all it is in line. And when I say in line again, just to clarify, I mean right in the HTML markup. So you don't have to go from file to file. I'll talk about that in a second, though, in, in one of the advantages. Um, and to be honest, when Matt was talking about it, because Matt actually used Tailwind before I did, and he he brought it up to me. This was like couple years ago now i think i think david actually like friend of the show i think david actually let me know about it it might have been actually on the first episode he was on i'm not sure if that's true and he he was telling me about it at one point and i was like oh that's kind of cool because i think i was telling him i was using bootstrap or something and then he's like oh you should try tailwind and then i kind of went in and i'm just this is paraphrasing from memory so god knows how accurate this is but i remember going in thinking oh this is kind of like bootstrap and it really wasn't so i mean i will get into that but yeah exactly so it in in a sense, it's not Bootstrap. It's a utility. It's a utility first CSS framework rather than utility based or whatever Bootstrap is. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that was my initial thought was that I was skeptical with it. But honestly, and this is, I've heard this a million times from other people that have tried Tailwind. It was the, the same exact response. As soon as I used it for three hours, let's say, I was like, okay, I get it. I'm I'm sold. That was all it took. Maybe even less. Maybe it was like 30 minutes or something. I can't remember because I just used it in a project. And it was it, it's a weird thing because it's really hard to sell someone on it. Because again, it, it is like, hey, you're writing CSS in line, which you can already kind of do with the style tag in HTML. But to me, it's much more clear. And I'll and again I'll I'll talk to I'll talk about that a little in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so let's get right into it. Why use Tailwind? So some of the advantages here, speed, and that's probably the biggest one, honestly, like the rest of them are important and all that great. But honestly, writing Tailwind is fast, just straight up. Holy crap, is it so much faster than than writing just CSS or any other framework? You know why it's fast? It's because like one of the reasons is you're writing it in line. So that means you're not having to switch files. You're not having, if you're in a single component, you're not having to go from the top component to the bottom component or side to side. You're literally writing the CSS as you're writing the HTML. And that's how I do it now. Like what I used to do is I used to create the uh, CSS, the HTML structure first. Then I would go and write the, the CSS for that HTML structure. Now I literally write the CSS and HTML at the same time. And I do it very basic. Like I'll do a very basic layout with the CSS initially, but it gives me a very quick head start over something that I wouldn't have done before. And when I'm writing it, I'm writing it as I'm like in the same exact line in the same way that I would write this, this the regular CSS, but using the Tailwind uh, utility classes, obviously. So again, the, the example that I gave before, display colon flex is shortened to just flex right? Display colon block is shortened to just block. And there's other less intuitive shortening. So like, for instance, margin right with like a, a certain amount of uh, padding or a certain amount of margin would be MR dash whatever number you want for that uh, margin. And there's like fractionals that you can do for percents. So MR slash dash one slash two is like, M, like margin right 50%, for instance, like Yes, it does take a little bit to spin up on that kind of nomenclature, but as soon as you do, as soon as you write it like once, like, you know, M, okay, margin, R, okay, right, dash, number, that's that's the standard across all of them. So padding is the same thing, P, R, dash, whatever the number. So as soon as you get it once, you kind of understand it throughout all of the different components. 
which is great. So that it just once you get that quickly writing and then especially if you have a live server that's rendering your your website and seeing the changes immediately that workflow for me especially as someone that's not a you know uh design first or layout first developer i'm more of like you know get into the javascript weeds of it for me that's it just makes it so much faster and i i don't want to keep saying it's fast but it is it just it just is super fast to write it the other thing that make it even faster for me again uh, is the out-of-the-box color palettes, the the out-of-the-box utility classes for rounded corners. So you can literally say like rounded-small and it'll create like a, a perfect box for you with rounded corners of, of small radius. And then you can say large radius, whatever. It has preset values for those that you can change down the line however you want. Like you can customize it however you want, but it has some really good presets that I kind of, I usually just leave for the most part. I'd say 90% of the presets I leave as they are because they're just, they make for a very uh, good looking, easy to easy to work with website. And same with shadows. Like, so they have like a shadow classes. So you can put like a box shadow really easily on your thing without having to like calculate how, what the box shadow needs to be. And the other thing for speed, and I'll talk about the responsiveness a little bit later, but writing media queries with Tailwind is awesome. Like it's super quick and super easy. It, it initially gives you uh, it initially works for the phone. So initially all the layouts are kind of like intentionally broken down for smaller screens. And then you build, you can build up to whatever size screens you want. That's kind of the mentality that you have to work with, with, with Tailwind. Um, the other, the other thing that's Tailwind's really good at is theming. So theming is something that I struggled with before because I couldn't wrap my head around CSS variables right away, especially when they weren't fully supported. But with Tailwind, it kind of gives you the theme files immediately when you create the Tailwind uh, like configuration file where you can put whatever um, colors you want and then use them as like CSS variables essentially across all of your files. So you can, you can change the theme of your entire application in a configuration file. And then just make sure, making sure that you use the right uh, like color names that you, whatever color names that you set in your files, you can kind of do that really quick. And that kind of makes it really easy to like have a night and dark mode, like a light and dark mode and stuff like that. It makes it makes all that kind of stuff really simple. I'd like to point something out here too. Is that <clears throat> excuse me? This, this comes from Bootstrap and Bootstrap a while ago before CSS variables were really big. And I, I actually like rarely use CSS variables even today. But one of the things I was doing in my early Bootstrap days. And I was just starting, so of course I was, but I was really ignoring a lot of the color stuff. So like Bootstrap has sort of default colors, like you can call on like purple or whatever. And obviously there's different shades of purple, but like they just have a a purple selected already, right? Uh, Basically what I did was I would just keep overwriting it. So it would be like, you know, effectively the, effectively it's, calling purple and then I'm just calling my own purple on top of that. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? So like yep. I would just not change it, change the variable. But uh I don't know if it was a CSS variable at the time or whatever. This was a long time ago, but I remember the first time I was like, "You know what? I'm going to figure out this thing cuz like I had a site that I just needed to build out and all the colors were were wrong, but I liked the convenience of just calling like red or like highlighter, like whatever the different things in Bootstrap are. And I like figured out how to change those variables and you have to like effectively Again, from memory, like kind of recompile it or whatever, so that when it calls red, it calls your you're now red. But I mean, 
doing that was like super powerful. And so I just want to wanted to point that out is like if you're starting out and you're just like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll I'll just have my own my own purple stuff and I'll just make my own class or I'll just like, you know, I'll call purple, but then I'll just like overwrite it quickly or whatever. You know, you getting down to dare I say the metal of CSS variables in that way is like super helpful. And again, I don't know if it was CSS variables back then. I just I just can't remember, but it was very similar to that at the very least. And it was like really, really, really helpful. And so sometimes, you know, if you just want to get started, of course, like who cares? You know, you can just have some inefficient coloring. But if you really, really start using something or use it a lot, or in my case, it was like, I'm just overwriting everything. You know, these colors are wrong. I need a specific color for this brand. I need a specific color for this person. You know, then then that's it because i think it was i think it was green so there's a particular person this particular client remaining anonymous but this particular client i think needed green and the green that was like there was like effectively lime green or something and they needed like a really nice sort of muted green and so for this person i was like you know what like like this is getting a little bit ridiculous because it's like when that was their primary color and then they had like some other colors that were like shades of it, of course, right? All the different they complement and all that. And so it was literally like, you know what, this is like this is foolish. Like I'm just gonna figure out how to do this. And it took a couple of hours for me to wrap my head around it. But like once you get it once, I mean now, even to this day, you know, I'm talking briefly and like I'm not telling you details because I can't remember, but I know the general concept of it. And so that general concept will allow me to jump into something like that again with much more ease. So sometimes it's just worth doing that little bit of extra to learn that little bit of an advanced feature. 100%. And l- let me get into like actually theming a little bit more um, with, with Tailwind and with without Tailwind as well. So some, some of you might be saying like, well, why don't you just create like a dot, you know, purple class, like a regular CSS dot purple class, and then put color, whatever, like purple, whatever, whatever hex code or whatever RGB color you want, and then apply that to whatever you need to be that color. Well, now, how would you do it with text? Because text is a different CSS property. So now you'd have to create a text purple class, right? Now, what would you do with background color? That's a different CSS. Now you have to create a background purple. Now, what if you need to change that purple? Well, now that's the issue. Then you have to go through all of those utility classes that you've created and change that purple. And if you don't, then it's going to look screwed up. So one of the solutions to that is 100% CSS variables. CSS variables are widely supported now, whatever. It's fine. And it works perfectly well. And you can set that up yourself. No problem. But it does require some setup. And it does require some knowledge of CSS variables. It does require some, some studying. Worthwhile, in my opinion, if you're just using CSS, check out CSS variables. They can make your life a lot easier for standardizing on sizes and standardizing on colors especially. With Tailwind, it's different in the sense that you create a color utility uh, in, in the themes section, right, of your config file. And that color can now be applied to whatever utility class that is associated, that has a color associated with it. So for instance, there's a utility class called text dash whatever color you want. That as soon as you create that theme with that color, if you color blurple or whatever, like you can call it whatever the heck you want. If it's blurple, you can actually put text dash blurple as a class and it'll automatically know that that's the color that you want. And it works the same thing with background. BG dash whatever color that you blurple, whatever color that you created, random color. That's the power of the tailwind side of things and it makes it really easy. Right. That's that. And again, if you change Blurple to a different hex code, it'll change across all the things that you've already mentioned Blurple in. 
And it doesn't have to be just like background colors. It doesn't have to be just text colors. It doesn't have to be just border colors. It can, it, it can be any, any of those things and all. So that's, that's the power of using something like CSS variables or theming inside of Tailwind. I just that's wanted to a, kind of That's clarify. a huge thing for people that are, con- that are uh, doing like the concepting phase as well, too. If you're working for a client, actually, when you were saying that it changes them all, Mike, if you're working for a client that isn't quite done their design, but they're getting everything spun up. So, they, you know, they've called their web developer, they've called their graphic designer, they called this, called that. They have a prototype design of their logo, but it might change. You could literally name things like, I don't know, like primary like literally primary, secondary, tertiary, whatever you're trying to name, you know, call it something uh, and then their company, primary company, tertiary company, you know, whatever all the different things are. And then when if they come to you and say, you know, I know the whole site is pretty well laid out, but like my colors have changed. It's you changing a few things instead of you going back and like, oh, crap, like now we got to change this and change this and change this and change this. So it's like not only is like an already I know you already mentioned the speed of Tailwind, but that if you're working for someone that's that's in that concept phase or that just has a person or just working with a person that changes their mind a lot this is a huge thing for them mm-hmm. exactly so. and it, you're absolutely right i've used it in the concept phase multiple times where even for myself even if i'm not doing a client work i'll create a variable for a color primary one primary two you know what i mean like i'll i'll create them very generically and i'll just try like i'll create the whole web page with the color in mind and then all of a sudden i'll just change the primary one primary two primary three or secondary one secondary two secondary three to something completely different and i'll see how it looks across all of my different components and you can have like things that complement that like cuz you're making your own colors up like you're saying but you could even keep it similar to say how Tailwind's doing it in terms of like being very sort of direct, if you will. So you could do, have something where it's really like primary dash light, meaning primary dash light mode, primary dash dark, primary, and then then you know like oh I have to change quickly change my dark mode stuff, and it's really like, be direct, and then that's a huge bit of that's a huge amount of speed actually, especially if that color is changing. Yep, exactly, and readability. Because oh, if, you too, do, yeah. if you do it that way, like primary dark, primary light, um, it makes it really easy for someone looking at it being like, oh, okay, this is supposed to be dark, this is supposed to be light or whatever, like immediately. So th- that that's something that you can definitely do. So yeah, theming theming is, a, I think, a huge part of why Tailwind is such a huge success uh, because it makes it very, very achievable and very easy to spin up on. And I think it kind of provides a little bit of insight into how CSS variables help and I know it doesn't actually use the CSS variables because it, it's supposed to work with older versions of browsers and stuff like that. So it actually uses a JavaScript compiling system for it. Um, and that's maybe a con, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but in, t- in terms of like understanding how CSS variables work, I think it does a great job of getting someone used to CSS variables because then when they go and write straight CSS, they'll start looking for that kind of stuff and they'll find it and they'll be able to figure it out quicker. So with that, uh, the next positive here on tailwind why would you why would you use it is standardization this one's a little bit uh controversial because people are saying like why would you standardize on a you know a third-party plugin or a third-party framework when it could change at any time and stuff like that and there's other standards in actual css that you could standardize on but in my opinion for quick ease of use and quick uh team environments it's really, really powerful to standardize on Tailwind because it's it's human readable. It's very easy to read. And it's very like 
if you understand Tailwind, if you worked if you worked with Tailwind for a few projects, as soon as you see it, you know it's Tailwind, first of all. And second of all, you'll know what the heck is going on there as you're reading it. Now, it is a little bit long-winded because it's like one long line of CSS. If it's a very complex CSS element and there's like many nested elements in it, it could get a little bit complicated. But in the sense that you can just read it left to right and see exactly what it's what's happening and then change it as you need it absolutely it makes it easy because you can't like when you're writing straight css you can make up whatever class names you want and when someone's looking at your html they have no idea what css is behind there so they have to flip through your html to your css figure out if there's only one of these classes and then not only that they have to check your media queries because that's in a different section of the css all of that is maintained and kept in one line in the in the html element that it's associated with. I think that is a powerful thing that people misconstrued misconstru- to be like uh, bad code. I think it definitely helps spin developers up quicker on UI development because again, it's that like, if you know Tailwind, you'll be able to quickly spin up on this UI that I built even like a year ago. So next thing here is community. Um, so community can be kind of give or take because like I said before, the community was actually kind of attacking Tailwind a little bit. But in in a general sense, there's a really positive atmosphere around Tailwind. People really like it. People like Adam, the creator of Tele- Tailwind. He's very responsive to people's comments and stuff like that. And it's just growing bigger and bigger. And there's a lot of like little tools that are being built out for it. So recently, uh, Tailwind headless components came out, which are really interesting and cool. And I'm trying to wrap my head around. It's essentially giving you like the JavaScript functionality for a component that you can style whatever, however you like. So for instance, like a, uh, a custom select box or something like that, that's a little bit more complicated to write on the JavaScript side. But you want to be able to style however you want in Tailwind, you can do that with like a headless, the headless UI project. It's, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it right now. Um, I need to actually implement and try it out and use it before I can like give a full explanation. It's maybe something that I'll do either a tidbit or a web news or maybe a, even a YouTube video on because I find it really interesting. But essentially, like, yeah, it's just, it's the functionality of a component that gives you the ability to use whatever headless, whatever design you want on that. That's all I can really say. There's another one where like it actually gives you a more um, component-based structure similar to Bootstrap, which is called Tailwind UI. To get spun up on like a, a quick website, Tailwind UI can do that really quickly for you because again, it not only gives you the power of Tailwind, it gives you the power of kind of like a bootstrap implementation of Tailwind where you can take like, oh, a button that's already been pre-made or, oh, hey, like a form that's already been pre-made. Oh, hey, a container or like a header or a hero image, like all of that's kind of built out for you and it's built in Tailwind. So it's just like really easy to read, really easy to edit, really easy to change, which is I think a big portion of the, um, I think a big element of bootstrap being difficult to work with is it's really difficult to kind of change because like a button is a button. So you have to go in and change the configuration of that button to make it look different or override it. Whereas with a button in tailwind UI, it's just, it's just like a tailwind component that you put in there. That's, that's one thing I, I, that I wanted to mention too, and I've already sort of touched on it, but uh, that was the thing. So, that, or that is the thing. So with Bootstrap, Bootstrap is sort of like not using official names and stuff here, but Bootstrap is sort of like a, a UI that's already built. So it's like really helpful if you're 
quickly needed to spin out a whole UI. They already have sort of breakpoints, this and that set up for nav bars. You can just call on their type of nav bar. And then, you know, their styles are already there. The thing with Tailwind, and this is what I did wrong back in the day, although I did this before Tailwind UI came out, it was just Tailwind CSS at the time. But the thing is, is that with Tailwind, what I did was I just assumed like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm learning Bootstrap at this time. I'll just learn this Tailwind thing. It'll be the same thing. And then I realized I was like, oh, like the very first thing I looked up was like, where the hell is my nav bar? Because I was just expecting there to be a nav bar component already built. Now, Tailwind UI, I haven't used it, but sounds like that's this is sort of where this is sort of like closer, as Mike already said, to bootstrap. So that is sort of what I was looking for at that time. So the reason why I mentioned this is if you're a person that's like, I love bootstrap, I'm just going to go use straight up Tailwind CSS you know, great, there's no problem with doing that, but it is a different tool. And I think that, especially if you're a person that is a little gung-ho like I was, didn't really read up much and I just immediately downloaded it and started trying to use it, you know, it wasn't obvious until I got into it where I was like, oh, crap, I have to make this navbar work. But with Tailwind UI, it sounds like it's, you know, you can just use that instead now, but it is something just to consider. It's something to keep in mind because with t- with this, you know, they're different tools, but they're also four different they're four different things. And so if you're a person that does not care about the look of whatever you're building or doesn't care about the not not that the bootstrap looks bad. What would I say? Uh, doesn't care about being specific with your style. You just desperately really, really, really quickly need to build a UI for some reason. You're in a rush. Bootstrap is your is your go. Now, maybe Tailwind UI. I haven't used it, so I can't speak to that point. But maybe that's where you should go. But I do want to be specific in saying that if you want something that's super, super customizable, then Tailwind might be where you want to go. And that's kind of – and it's just a personal opinion because you can you know customize Bootstrap a lot. But that's just my personal opinion on how I would choose my tools at a high level. Oh, I need to build a custom site and I need to build it quickly but it needs to be really, really specific. I'm going to go with Tailwind. Oh, this person is all about speed. Doesn't really care except for their colors. I'm going to go bootstrap. And I would still do that to this day. Yeah, I could I could see that. Like um, the, the only reason I would counter that is if you already have a Tailwind UI license. So that's another thing I didn't mention is Tailwind UI is a pay to use thing. Oh, okay. Okay. But yep. it is like, it, it, it essentially will give you bootstrap with tailwind right like it'll give you all that functionality plus when you bundle it with the headless ui that i was talking about mm-hmm. all that together makes for a really quick and easy to work with like component platform where you can just copy paste code don't have to worry about the css or anything which is great that's the big uh, advantage of this you just copy paste the html and it has all the css already built in mm-hmm. uh and and editable so I think you would still use Bootstrap or uh, Tailwind, but in in the general sense, you're right because again, Tailwind UI does cost some money. So if you need to build something really quickly and no one and they don't like, it's literally just like an admin panel, for instance, for monitoring someone's like, I don't know, it, it's something really simple. Like uh, someone wants to monitor their expenses, then they want you to build them a custom thing to integrate into some custom platform, whatever, and they don't care what it looks like. Bootstrap is still an easy solution for that right so it makes sense so yeah like um that's that's the the advantage of the community the tailwind community is that they're building stuff like that there's other things that you can find like i recently found a login form that was built in tailwind and again it's really awesome because all i have to do is copy 
the code pen HTML and I've got myself a login form with all the styling that I need. And then I just have to change a few like color variables and I'm good to go to match my color style. Um, whereas with like a component or like something like a, you know, a package, I would have to install that package, uh, in, import the components or whatever, and then use the component wherever I want. Then editing it is kind of a disaster because you have to go into the, like the source files and edit it. It, it, it can become really cumbersome. I would much rather just copy code and paste it into my platform and then edit it however I want uh, if I have that opportunity. And that's what Tailwind kind of gives you for UI elements. Last thing here for the advantages is responsiveness. So I mentioned this a little bit before in speed because it's so quick to write responsive uh, design templates, but really like Tailwind has these awesome utility classes that again can be used right in line. Uh, Like if you're targeting a large screen size, uh, which is like a tablet or something like that, LG colon, and then whatever property you want. So if you wanted to shrink down or you wanted to expand to 50%, you do LG colon uh, with full or something or with one, one half, you know what I mean? So you just, you can, and you can chain those as much as you want and you can do other ones. So you can have all your responsive code written all in line very simply, very easily identifiable that it's targeting whatever you like, whatever screen size you want. And you're also able to adjust those screen sizes, obviously, in your configuration file. So it, get, it, it makes assumptions initially of what it thinks those screen sizes that you want are, like the breakpoints for the screens. Uh, but you can obviously go in and add more screen sizes. You can add like a X, 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 like, you know, quadruple XL or whatever, uh, which they don't have. Or you can just modify the current, like the actual sizes that they have right now. So it makes it really simple to write. It makes it really simple to read. The only thing that I would have to say that makes it a little bit more difficult is again, it does make your HTML, your HTML really long winded. So you have to kind of scroll a lot left and right. If you have a really big component that has a lot of responsive design elements to it. Uh, so that is, you know, that that's the disadvantage of writing inline CSS hundred percent there. It's not a perfect system, but it's something that I haven't run into as being a huge issue personally. Um, I'm sure if I worked on a massive project with really complicated UIs, it could be an issue. But again, this is a personal anecdote kind of situation. But really, that's it. Like, uh, that's the why use Tailwind, you know, really quick, short, short uh, explanation of it. Uh, The speed, again, I just want to mention how quick it is to write it, because that is, to me, the most important uh, element to it. It's just when you use it and when you get the hang of it even a little bit, you'll understand what I mean. It's really difficult to get into words and explain to a person why you would use it because it just sounds like you're writing CSS in line, but it slightly isn't. <laughs> That's all I want to say. Um, so let's go, let's go on and, and listen to or let's talk about some of the things that people call out against Tailwind. Right. Because there's definitely some counterpoints to be made. There's definitely some there's definitely some reasons why people are kind of angry at it, which is crazy to me. Like, why would you be angry at a framework or why would you be angry at a tool? But there are people that are legitimately angry that people are like pushing it, pushing Tailwind forward and telling people to learn it and stuff like that. Like they don't want people to do it. So there's got to be a reason for that. What are those reasons? First reason, and I've already talked about this, makes for really ugly HTML. This is very personal preference wise, in my opinion, uh, because, you know, ugly, you know, who, who knows, maybe people like the way the tailwind looks in my personal opinion. I kind of agree that yes, it does make for uglier, less, less readable HTML code. 
because like you know if you write uh, a div and have a class of card it's easier to understand that that div is supposed to be a card rather than like a million different CSS properties that you have to kind of figure out if they're a card or not. So it makes it for a a worse readable experience of HTML. CSS wise, I don't think it's that much worse. Like I think it's fine to read CSS in line, to be honest. But in terms of HTML, understanding what the HTML structure is and what you're trying to say is it makes it slower to read if that makes sense. So I, I, I agree with that one. That's a trade-off that I'm personally willing to make again for the speed aspect of now how me, quickly Let me ask you something it. though. Let me ask mm-hmm. you something. So with, to interrupt you there, with the the tailwind, okay, let's just type it, let's just lay out a little basic scenario. You have your classic business, I guess, website, which is, you know, hey, we're trying to sell this product type of thing. So basically what you'll have is you have your navbar at the top. We'll ignore that for a moment. You have a big header image, a little bit of text in the middle of the header image. And right below that, you have some content boxes. So you have you have two templatable things. You have this big header image, which is probably going to be used on a couple other pages. And then you also have with, with the text and then you also have the content boxes below. So when you're first writing out your tailwind, you write it all out in line, like you're saying. And it's a bit of a mess, right? Now, again, that's based on preference, but let's just say it's a bit of a mess just because there's more. So that's our definition of mess. There's a lot of markup, right? Now, here's a question, though. So with Tailwind, I forget what they're called, but you can make sort of like what I would recall them. This is not what Tailwind calls them, is repeatable regions. So if you have a content box that you're using throughout the thing, you can literally have the class called content box, if I'm not mistaken. And then you you then, uh, you know, use all the Tailwind whatever's and but you don't write that in line anymore. So what I would say, or I guess it's more of a question is, how much are you going back and refactoring? Because the first time you're making that page header with it with text in the center and then four content boxes underneath, the first first time you're doing that, yeah, there's a heck of a lot of characters just straight up characters in your HTML. But if you're able to boil that down, let's say in the content box example to the literally the word content box, all one word or whatever. Are you refactoring? Like, is 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 the ugliness to play devil's advocate kind of, but also ask like, is the ugliness of CSS tail and CSS the fact that, or uh, rather, an indicator that you should be refactoring at that point? So you bring up an absolutely awesome point and something that I actually do. Um, the reason that I don't talk about this too much uh, in, in this episode is because like it kind of gets away from the point of Tailwind, mm-hmm. but you're absolutely right. You can use something called at apply and name whatever class you want and then use actual like make a class like you would normally would have CSS. So dot like, like content block dot content block. And then in that do an at apply and that at apply tells the compiler that you want to use Tailwind uh, like terminology in there, like the Tailwind utility classes. So in your CSS, you can actually have Tailwind utility classes. Again, the reason that I don't bring this up too much in this episode is because like you're kind of getting away from the point of Tailwind if you're writing Tailwind and CSS, but you're 100% correct. If you have a bunch of repeatable Tailwind code, that's immediately a, a case for refactoring. Like you 100% need to put that in at, in a class, put an add apply there. You're still writing the Tailwind code. So like you can copy paste it directly from there. Uh, but now it's in your CSS. Now it's a class. Now it's more readable. Hooray. It does require that extra step of refactoring, which could be considered a con. 
But in my opinion, again, the speed of prototyping with, with Tailwind and the speed of writing it initially and testing everything and getting it all perfect well outweighs the con of having to rewrite or not having to rewrite, of having to copy paste it, create a class for it and put it in there like you would a traditional CSS file. So that is the right path. You like you described it perfectly, Matt. That's exactly how I do it. Um, but again, it's it kind of goes away from the ethos of of Tailwind where you're writing it in the HTML. Uh, but it is something that you should do. So it's kind of like one of those balancing acts. But regardless, it's 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 a tool that you're there that you're you're able to use with Tailwind, which is great. Well, the thing is too, though, is realistically speaking, I mean, you're doing this at apply. I mean, I do this, and I'm sure other people do this too, is what I would do is, okay, you write out your whole page, same example, content blocks and all the rest of it. And and what you do is, what I or what I would do is, if I'm doing that, I'm, I'm assuming this ad apply is in the CSS style sheet itself, d- yes, separate document. Right. Mm-hmm. So then what I would do is I would literally be like, okay, well, I have six or excuse me, four of the same, you know, really big divs here. Big as in there's lots of characters in my literal markup. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to copy one of these, like the style with all the HD or with all the Tailwind CSS stuff in there. I'm going to copy that. I'm going to paste that. No, it's not in the right syntax yet. I'm going to paste that into my CSS with my add apply. I'll go and, you know, do what I got to do, add commas and all the rest of it or whatever I got to do to make the syntax work. And then I just like I effectively used what I just did. Right. So it's not like it's a waste to do it that the first time because I just use what I just did made a class called content box, content block, whatever you want to call it. And then I just go back and I now have that first thing copied. I still have my first like line of text copied. So I literally do control F and then I tell it, replace all this exact combo with content box or content block or whatever I want to do. And I use like the clipboard like that all the time. I use that all that type of stuff all the damn time because it prevents mistakes actually that's a little that's a little tidbit actually that uh you should maybe that's like a little tip you can take to the bank <laughs> is if you can copy it rather than you copying it meaning rather than you retyping it out by looking at it if you can copy it meaning with the clipboard do it less mistakes and i do that all the time if i'm doing like an elimination list where i'm doing some sort of data entry and i have to copy the list of all the headings i literally verbatim copy the list of headings, put it in a notepad, do my data entry. And as I finish the data entry, I delete those items that I just did from the list. That way I don't go over the items. I don't miss an item and I don't accidentally duplicate an item. So just a little tidbit, but like to me, it's not, it's not really a waste because I would just use it like that. Yeah. And that, that's the correct way to use it. You would use it correctly. And the cold copying tip is really good. Uh, I do the same thing. I, I don't spell very well quick, like when I'm typing quickly. So why would I put that on? Like, why would I risk that if I can just copy paste? Like, there, it's just it just saves me time. I, I don't understand the concept of everyone wanting to type it in from scratch every time. Just like I, maybe to learn it better. I don't know. But regardless. I think it, to be honest, I think it's that because we're taught. And I mean, to like to like some degree of success, obviously, because it's in the school system all over the place is we're taught to constantly like write like, hey, get write it to retain it. And, I, and I, I'm sure there's studies or whatever. I'm not an expert there. You know, you can you can look that up yourself. But like there's a reason why we do that so much in school. It's so that we retain it. But the thing is, is that like I'm not going to retain the these four headings once I've done my data entry. Once I've once I've made this thing a content box, I'm not like 
remembering that and like cementing it in my memory because everyone's content boxes are different across everyone's sites. So I'm not like remembering that. So especially if it's something that you don't need to remember, there's no point of rewriting it. Something like an, a media query, though, just a brief little example, but something like a media query when I was first learning CSS, I just couldn't freaking remember it. And what I found out was I was constantly just like looking it up on Google and then copying an example and then editing it to what I needed. I just couldn't remember the damn syntax. And I just like one day I was like, the heck with this. And I demanded like I forced myself to write it from an example, but I typed it from an example every single time I needed it in this particular project. And it was, it was quite a bit. And so the, the, ever since then, I remember it. But if it's something that's like what I would call consumable data, meaning you're doing it and you're never using it again, or you might refer to it, but you don't really need to remember it, just copy paste the damn thing. Yep. hundred percent. I think that makes, that, that's a good compromise. I think like if you're learning it, sometimes it does make sense. So yeah. Agreed. hundred percent agreed. So What's next thing here? Uh, prevents people from learning CSS. That's another comment that some people make. That's saying that like, oh, this is why you shouldn't use Tailwind. So is that true? Maybe a little bit. I, I kind of agree with it a little bit because I took a different path, right? Like Matt and I, especially, we learned CSS. Like in not maybe all the ins and outs, but we learned CSS a lot. Like we use CSS, just plain, plain old CSS, nothing else, a lot. We use Bootstrap too a little bit here and there, but mostly just CSS. And I went into Tailwind with that knowledge already. And I think it helps. I personally think Tailwind almost helps solidify my CSS knowledge now that I know it. Going at it from the different direction of going to Tailwind before even learning CSS, I don't know if that's the greatest idea. I think you should, like we always say this on the podcast, you should learn the pillars of web development, HTML, JavaScript, and uh, CSS. And then move on and like expand out to different frameworks and all that, different languages, whatever, uh, so that you have at least a good base. And I stick by that with Tailwind. So I don't think it's something that's wrong with Tailwind, but the people that say that it prevents learning CSS, yeah, if you go into it with zero CSS knowledge, maybe. But if you go into it with a good base CSS knowledge, I don't think it prevents it at all. I think it actually enhances it because how intelligentsia and stuff like that works inside the inside the IDEs like VS Code is when you're writing Tailwind, you can actually hover over the class and it'll tell you exactly what CSS properties it's adding in that class. And making that connection really quickly, to me, helped me understand the proper formatting, the proper usage of different uh, like REMs and EMs and stuff like that, like when to use those while I was learning Tailwind better than I was just writing them myself because there's some sort of standard that Tailwind uses for that. Next thing here for what's wrong with Tailwind is it doesn't support the Shadow DOM. So I don't want to get too far into the Shadow DOM because that is a very complex topic. Is this an RPG? The Shadow <laughs> Realm. Yeah, the Shadow Realm. But there is such thing as a Shadow DOM, which essentially allows you to create these things called web components. And the web components kind of manipulate a Shadow DOM and then write everything to the to the actual dom so it allows for like quick data manipulation inside the components and stuff like that there's a lot of advantages i'm gonna have eventually an episode on web components because that's something that i am working up to we actually might have we have a guest on coming on at some point hopefully that uh is a big part of the chat the web component community so hopefully he can kind of enlighten us on what a shadow dom is what web components are but for now just know that Tailwind doesn't support the Shadow DOM and therefore web components. 
yeah, there's no there's no argument there. Just literally doesn't support it and won't support it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like there is no way around this. You just can't use Tailwind with the Shadow DOM. It's unfortunate. It's kind of a niche thing, and you can create your own kind of Tailwind based components that can do very similar things to the web components, but you can't create web components with Tailwind in them. Having said that, there is a little bit of a workaround, and I, I would not recommend doing this. You can actually import your Tailwind styles into the Shadow DOM, into your web component. So it, essentially like a double import of the, of Tailwind. That's why I don't recommend doing this because like you're expanding your CSS by two times every time you do it. So every time you put a web component with Tailwind in it, you're like rapidly ex- expanding your CSS for whatever reason. Uh, so it is kind of a workaround if you really need to do it, but I would definitely not recommend doing it for like an actual job. If you're, if you're working with web components, you're going to have to look somewhere else, like just plain CSS. Next thing here is it needs compiling. So yeah, it does. Uh, it, it, it not, it's not like 100% necessary. I want to confirm that. You can use Tailwind from a CDN in the sense that you can just import all of the Tailwind styles similarly how you would import all of Bootstrap styles. You don't need to compile it with Webpack. But when you do that, it removes some of the other positives of Tailwind, like uh, being able to see all your intelligency stuff, like being able to see every class in Tailwind and what it does, autocomplete of the Tailwind classes. And also it adds a massive CSS file, I think it's like three megs, to your DOM. So it's just... You wouldn't use it like that unless you're like quickly prototyping and testing. Uh, so I don't I don't consider that a thing. So it, it absolutely needs compiling in a production code. So you need to be, you need to know a little bit about Webpack. You need to be able to use npm. It'll do ninety nine percent of everything that you need for you with just the regular command line. But as long if you if you don't have like a Webpack project, if it's just HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, it's a little bit more complicated to put it in there and actually use it efficiently. So yes, it needs compiling. Now, having said that, recently uh, they did implement just-in-time compiling, which makes the compiling really, really fast. So it's not like it adds time to your compile. It adds like milliseconds to it. So now, especially with the just-in-time compiling, it's really, really fast. And it's able to do uh, like, you're able to change the config files and then save it. And then it's able to like perpetrate those config files, those changes right away into your code without having to restart the dev server and stuff like that. Like it's, it's able to do all these really cool things uh, with this new change of the JIT, of the JIT compiler. Uh, so yes, needs compiling, but most projects, if you're using a framework, if you're using any other packages and stuff like that, you're probably already going to have Webpack installed. So with Webpack installed, it's, you know, it's a no brainer. Next thing here is large CSS size. So I just said that it's like three megs for the whole Tailwind package, which is true, uh, which is, and it's big, like that's huge um, for ta- for CSS file, but it, a- it actually has a feature built in called Tailwind Purge, where you're able to say like, hey, I'm using Tailwind in these files. Can you go in there and see which classes I'm using and then remove the rest of them? just remove the rest of the classes that I'm not using. So it took my three megabyte without the purge to about like three kilobits or something, three kilobytes or something like that. So it really, really put it down. Now, obviously the more classes you use, the more it's going to be, but that's the same as regular CSS. 
Like the more you, the more CSS you write, the more it's going to be. So I, I don't think large CSS size is a con. Again, Tailwind Purge makes it super easy to just purge it all, and it it, it runs every time you build. Like it's an auto, it's an auto build process. So I don't think that's a problem. So those are kind of like the main cons towards Tailwind. And I think like, again, some of them are definitely like no shadow DOM support. Yep. No shadow DOM support. But in my opinion, the pros definitely outweigh them and I enjoy using Tailwind. So I don't, I don't see the reason really to attack it. That's what I don't get. That's why I kind of wanted to make this episode like yeah, there's some cons. There, there's pros and cons for everything. There's pros and cons for regular CSS, but there's no reason to go out and like be like, no, 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 this is a garbage thing. Like you shouldn't be learning it. Uh, you're, you're, you know, this is a waste of time. No, it's a tool. It helps you quickly build UIs. That's what it is. That's what it does. And it does it really. It does it really well. Will it? Will it be around for the next twenty years? I don't know. But no, neither. Like, who knows if CSS is going to be around for twenty years? I don't know. Yeah, so, like how how old is JavaScript? It's it's old. But like, how old is it? Is it twenty? Maybe not. Is it? Like, I mean, like, or at least not widespread. Like, what you know what I mean? So, like, when people start to talk about longevity, it's like longevity in relation to the tech industry, because like, I mean, your furniture might be ten years old and you might be fine with it. Would you be okay with a smartphone from ten years ago? Yeah, like, is was, there a smartphone that's ten years ago? Nineteen ninety five. So, what is that? 20, 20 something years, like twenty. Don't make me do math on the show, Mike. <laughs> Don't. Twenty five. On my years? other on my other gaming podcast, we had a very very terrible incident years ago. That episode was deleted due to the incident where I we we all three of us couldn't calculate some basic subtraction and then division. I think it was. And <laughs> oh then man, I, why I did was, you delete that episode? I, I was totally so embarrassed years later that I I deleted it. I wait. I don't know if it did get deleted, actually. Oh, please, please tell us what that episode is. I don't know which, I don't know. I I can't tell you what episode it is. I want to listen to this episode. I think it. I want to see you struggle doing math. There was like a a host change. So there's like some stuff that's been deleted. So it wasn't like I targeted deleted it. It may have got deleted in the host change. I'm not sure. But I do remember that day. And yeah, (laughs) I, I, I remember distinctly thinking about deleting it. I don't think I did. But I remember being like, that was horrendously embarrassing. Like, it was like a half hour of us trying to do some basic. I had like an iPad out, too. It was a dis- <laughs> which doesn't have a calculator app, by the way. So total, total disaster. But anyway, I digress. That was years and years and years ago, probably a decade ago. But uh, what? Yeah, no, it's not quite 20 years old, Mike. No, it's that- over 20. 20 it's like t- 25 years old. 1995? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it would be. Oh, yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> Don't make me do it on the spot. I can't do it on the spot. It's just like I start to panic and then I'm like, no, no, no. It's like let's minus like for some reason, my brain's like minus 10, man. Just minus yeah. 10. I don't know. I start panicking. It's OK. It's OK. It's, it's all good. You, you don't need to do math because you have a computer and you're a programmer. So you, the, the computer does math for you. It's all good. Also, I can do it. Just not on the spot. <laughs> yeah, you can't. <laughs> Apparently. Rapid, rapid mental math is what breaks Matt, everyone. So if you ever want to break him. If, if we ever have a live show, I want everyone God. to call in and ask Matt math questions. That's, you know what? I'm calling it out right now. You know what's horrible is I remember, like, this is, like, a really weird little, like, personal story. But I remember, like, learning my, like, times tables. And I don't know whether we were supposed to do this. But the only way I could remember the times tables is when I was very young was actually memorizing them. 
And now as a result, like I kind of just get it. Like I know like four times three is 12 and stuff like that. Like I just, I kind of know them because I can do that level of math in my head. But back then I would memorize them. And there's really weird ones that I just remember because I would force myself to remember it because I couldn't remember those. So I did, when I first started my times tables, I just did it via memory. I don't know if that's what we were supposed to be doing. (laughs) I kind of feel like it wasn't. Uh, But I mean, that's how I did it. So. I think I think that's how they kind of taught you it initially, um, but I eventually transitioned to actually doing it through math, and that helped me learn math a little bit more. But I, I still struggle with mental math sometimes. So, uh, like, I, I'm I'm kind of the same as you, Matt. As soon as I'm put on the spot with mental math, my head explodes. So that's I'm just I'm just teasing. It's the same for me. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's hell. It's yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Uh, also, I wanted to make mention one thing. Um, about this, because uh, you're done the all the cons, right? Yes, or all the books that much wrong. Because I I think this might trigger a little bit of a um bit of a longer conversation, possibly. Uh, I don't know. You have some limited time, so that's why I waited. But um, one thing I wanted to point out was the one point of prevents people from learning CSS. So I was actually thinking about this the other day, and I noticed somebody on Twitter said. You know, I, I learned Webflow, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like I learned Webflow, I learned all the ins and outs over X period, a couple of weeks or months or whatever it was. And then I got a job, you know, a few months later or whatever. And like, you know, it's been really great. Like it was like, you know, kind of a motivational tweet. And, you know, that's great and everything. But I was just thinking to myself, like, did they know, and I should have maybe asked, did they know CSS before? Because the reason why I'm so fast with Webflow is because I know CSS. So I'm like, oh, I need a flex here. Oh, I need a block here. I need an inline block here. I need to have a, you know, a background and cover here. I need to, you know, I I know CSS. So I'm literally clicking a button that is display flex and stuff. I'm curious as to whether there's people out there and I'm sure there's probably someone, but I'm curious as to whether there's people out there that didn't quote unquote learn CSS. They just learned uh, uh, Webflow. And then they don't realize maybe that they actually would probably know a fair bit of CSS because, and I've never done this, so I can't say for sure, but like, if you really think of it, I mean, sure, if you're learning CSS and like you kind of mentioned this, Mike, if you're learning, if you're learning, excuse me, Tailwind CSS, you know, your, your D nuns and all that, you know, you, you're like not learning display colon none, semicolon, let's say, but you're really close and it's really transferable. Like you probably could pick up CSS faster as a result. Oh, because you would just be like, "Oh, this is a D none, so like display none." Like, like I think most people would be able to quickly pick it up. And I'm just curious as to whether there's people with Tailwind, and I'm sure there probably is, that learned Tailwind and don't know CSS. Because there- to me, like this, the like you know how some people when they learn another language, they say, "I think in my first language." And I speak in like the one that I'm, you know, in the context I'm in. I wonder, because when I work with Webflow, my first, literally my first computer language when it came to styling was CSS. So I think in CSS and apply it to Webflow. I wonder if there's people out there that think in Webflow and do it on CSS. That's that's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, this could be totally BS, but that'd be no, super you, interesting. No, it's 100% true like that that is there is a lot of people that don't have never done css and just do tailwind right like out of a boot like a lot of boot camps will teach you tailwind and out of a boot camp you might get a job that does tailwind and then that's it like you're stuck with it and there's nothing wrong with that and i'm not i don't want to gatekeep 
uh, that, that path, to be honest. Like, I think that that path is totally viable. You could do it. But in my opinion, to be a little bit more flexible, like a better path is the other way around, is to do CSS. Now, having said that, if you're in the path of learning Tailwind first, you're 100% further ahead than someone just starting ta- like CSS from scratch. Like Matt said, those like, you know, flex or uh, hidden or whatever, like those those utility classes directly relate to something in CSS. And once you make that connection in your mind when you're learning CSS, it'll all make sense to you. And then you'll, you'll make that connection really quickly. So there's nothing wrong if you're out there that a person out there that's learned Tailwind and now you want to go in and learn CSS. There's nothing wrong with that. There, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. And in fact, you're a step ahead because now you you have that tailwind background which is almost css so you're you're right matt there's i think there's plenty of people out there that have like the the webflow side and the tailwind side and all the other tools really that have learned those tools first and then have gone on to learn the other way and in their mind they're thinking more in webflow or tailwind uh, terminology whereas we're the opposite and i think like again in my opinion the opposite way is better because you're learning the building blocks first. But again, it, there's nothing wrong with going the other way too. Yeah, if you desperately needed something up quickly, you use Tailwind because it's a it's the tool for the job, and then you went backwards. Like who cares? Yep, exactly. Uh, but I think that's it. I think uh, we can move on to weekly growth goals. So you know what? Let's change it up a little bit, Matt. Why don't you do the weekly growth goal first? All right, cool. So my weekly growth goal was to basically prepare for the hat website launch so it's you know basically done in development uh there's a couple things that we're tying up a couple things that we discover that we're going to tie up as well but uh we're adding content to it right now um you know i should maybe do a little a little photo shoot with it type of thing take some screenshots and stuff share that on instagram but we're really on that like on the content train right now it's ready to go blog posts uh show notes uh embedded players all the rest of it it's all there it's ready to go uh we're just literally like i said adding content to it the last thing we did was we added all the shows from 2021 to the site, some with show notes, some without, uh, but all of them with our little, there's like a show note that's included on like podcast apps, which is like a little blurb that I do. And oftentimes that's mirrored or very similar to our my social posts. And then Mike does like more of a detailed show note. And I've made it basically dynamic so that if Mike hasn't gotten to the show note yet, I can still publish with the uh, with a little blurb in that just to like get some link equity on on Google type of things. So uh, yeah, it's going really well. I wrote a blog post yesterday, so I'm refamiliarizing myself. So I, you know, I completed my goal. Like it's, you know, it's an ongoing process. We're not quite there just because of the amount of content, but it's, it's, pre- it's being prepared. So goal definitely completed and the podcasts are, you know, short of me finding a bug or something I want to change. They're done. So that's huge because obviously you're listening to a podcast. So uh, my next weekly girl. Oh, actually, another one. Just a real thick, quick thing, too. I did check on and figure out. I think I may have mentioned this, but it, this was like a, a weekly growth goal from a few weeks ago. I did check out our affiliates program stuff and uh, all our Google ads stuff. Uh, so that's good. Uh, there's some stuff that I'm activating, some stuff that I'm waiting to activate, but everything's been figured out. So if I because I think I screwed up that weekly growth goal at some point. So that's been done uh, as well. So now I'm kind of not sure. Now, remember, these episodes are are one week ahead now. Uh, like we we have a lead time of one week now rather than like a couple of days. So, uh, you know, our goals might be reflected differently on we- on the weekly growth goals app. But by the time but at the time of speaking, I think my weekly growth goal is going to be uh, I want to make three blog posts. Now, oh, wow. they, 
they could be they but the thing is is they could be drafts i don't want to force myself i'm literally trying to exercise my skill again and so i don't want like literally stress to be in there i might do like half ass posts i might do five half ass ones or something to like exercise my brain but i have one that's pretty well done so i'll finish that i'll count that as one because there's i thinking back there's some stuff i want to cut out so i'm going to be kind of ripping that one up a bit but uh three 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 blog posts three blog posts at very least first draft uh cool. so that'll be reflected on the weeklygrowthgoals.com app web app um and uh Mike, please, sir, take it away with yours. Okay. Uh, I mean, you completed all yours, so I didn't have to do any of mine, so I didn't. What? <laughs> no. Uh, I don't even know. I, I was going to say, wait, I was like, wait, did I do Mike's goal? Like, I was yeah. freaking out there for a second. No, no, no. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but I didn't complete my goal. My goal last week was to to write, finish a blog post. I did start the blog post. I have the idea. I have the structure of the blog post done, but I haven't posted it yet. Um I, I had a vacation planned for last week, so I had four days that I wasn't at my computer. So I'm going to blame it on that. Um, well, there, was a, there was a long weekend in Canada, yeah. and I think I think America maybe too. So exactly. I mean, like like whatever. Yeah, but but I do I do have that blog post almost ready, and for my next week go- growth goal, I'm going to be uh, creating content, uh, migrating my old blog post to the new HTML Things website. And finishing up that that blog post, so I'm gonna have kind of like a multi week, multi goal week, uh, just to make up for last week. That's kind of the punishment that I'm gonna set for myself. Um, but that should give us plenty of content for our launch. Hopefully, we'll get that launch done soon. Obviously, we're gonna let you guys know here in on the podcast when we'll we be launching it. We don't have a date quite yet, but we are getting closer to announcing a date. Well, the site's been developed now. At least that. Like now, we're just working on making it so that it's something to read. <laughs> Correct. So, I mean, we've, we've, we've come far, far and wide. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but we've, we've come a far ways. Yep. Uh, yeah. The other thing is I'm still posting heavily on Twitter. Uh, so if you want to check me out there and follow me and we can have a chat there, give it a go again. It's at HTML, everything on Twitter. Cool. Uh, so that's Mike's, that's Mike's goals. Uh, I think that's it, right? That's we, it. Did it. we did it. We did the it. The episode is done. But now, remember that if you want to support episodes like this, go check out that Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. And many thanks to our $3 tier patron, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on YouTube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript, Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design on LocalPathComputing.com, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on BlueBlackDigital.com, Chris from Selfmade Web Designer on SelfmadeWebDesigner.com, Tim from The Web Hacker at TheWebHacker.com, DL Ford from DLFord.io, Bib Hashdash from Nine Block Media on NineBlockMedia.com, and Jason from Geek Life Radio via GeekLifeRadio.com, and Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via MCWebStudio.ca. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on, and we are signing off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.